0: Well, welcome to Real People OC. I am excited to be here with you today. And I'm very excited to welcome back a guest that we've had on before, Leslie Manukian. And you might remember her from the big vaccine debate that was being held here in California over SB 277. It was, a, was at the time they were trying to fight it. It is now law. Leslie is here today to give us an update on that, what we can learn from that discussion, but also to tell us about the Wise Traditions Conference that's coming up here in California at Anaheim Convention Center. So if you remember, Leslie was at one point a successful Wall Street business executive, and she has turned documentary film producer and activist She chose to leave Wall Street at the height of her career in order to pursue a more meaningful path. And her career in finance took her from New York to London. And that was really where, while she was in London, where she became exposed to the vaccine debate and vowed at the time that she was going to make a documentary exploring this issue. It is now an award-winning documentary, The Greater Good. It is the result of 11 years of work and has been on featured on dozens of TV and radio and print, internet interviews, as well as numerous conferences discussing this vaccine issue that is so hotly debated right now and so important for everybody to become educated. She is going to be doing a free screening on this, on this movie at the Anaheim Convention Center, and so we're going to talk about those dates in the interviews. So, welcome back, Leslie Manukian, to KUCI. I'm so excited to have you back on the air with us today. How are you? I'm
1: fantastic, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me back. It's great. We had such a nice conversation last time, and I'm really looking forward to this.
0: Well, I'm looking forward to it, too, and I'm also looking forward to the updates, which I think are probably critical, but um, the most important thing is that we let people know that you're going to be here in in town for the Weston A. Price uh, Wise Traditions uh, convention And that's conference, right? It's a nutritional conference?
1: That's correct.
0: Um, it's, so a,
1: it's a conference. So I'm a board member of the Weston A. Price Foundation, and I've been a chapter leader for seven or eight years. Um, our foundation teaches the principles of healthy traditional diets to people. And every year we have a big annual conference. Anybody can come to it and learn all about um, why actually fat is really good for you because it contains vitamins A, D, and K, and why... You know, you need to be um, eat a broad diet and all sorts of things. So we teach the principles of healthy diets at these conferences. And I'm going to be there and showing my documentary film on vaccines called The Greater Good on Friday night.
0: And that was the first touch point that we had with you where we met with you over uh, the California SB 277. So let's dive a little bit into the movie. We got to hear on that interview that you are a we're a successful business executive turned documentary film producer and activist. so um, let's talk a little bit about the film and what it's been doing and um, the progress it's made since we've talked. Sure.
1: Well the film um, is the greater good. It is all about families who've had issues with vaccines and we interview folks from all different sides of the spectrum on the vaccine debate. So people from CDC and FDA, um, people who are vaccine developers and patent holders, and then advocates um, who are concerned about vaccine safety, pediatricians who are concerned about vaccine safety, parents. You know, we interview all of those people and allow them to kind of argue out the different points on screen. And the feedback that we've gotten about the film is that it is the most fair and balanced discussion of the issue that they've seen. Um, and that it's really jaw-dropping information because most people don't understand that this is not a black-and-white issue, that it's very complex. And the film has been seen now, we think, by about five million people, a little over five million people, and it continues to be really popular, and I think it's, you know, it's it's one of the hottest topics in the world today, not just in the U.S., but in the world today, and because of that, the movie really um, lives on, even though it, it uh, was released a few years ago now.
0: Well, I would have to agree that, in fact, it is a very fair and un- unbiased look at uh, the vaccine issue, And it, but it elucidates things that I think a lot of people didn't know were going on, and maybe what it does point out in terms of a bias is that, in fact, the uh, information we're being spoon-fed on a regular basis is what's biased, probably, because we're not hearing the full story.
1: That is so true, and I have to tell you, I was just reading a new study that came out um this morning I think it was, or maybe it was yesterday morning. Um and it is a, a study that investigates the conflicts of interest in the scientific body, so in research in the in the research field. And what they found out was that research that is done by a um institution of any kind, be it a, a governmental agency or the pharmaceutical industry or another interested party 80 to 90 percent of it will find that there's no harm from their product or the product they support or endorse. If, however, there is no conflict of interest and it's truly independent researchers, then 10 to, only 10 to 20 percent of the research will find that there's no problem with the with the product. And it really speaks to your point just there, Kimberly, that there is so much bias. Um, and the media plays a huge role in this because the media um, derives the lion's share of its profits, especially when it comes to news programs from the pharmaceutical industry. So what you're hearing is not necessarily the truth. It's what the advertisers of the media channel want you to hear. And it's really important for people to understand that because they're not just hearing everything that's out
0: there. So I am married to a physician, and as you can imagine, this is a hotly debated topic in my home. Mm -hmm. And I would like to parse out, if I could please, with you... Um, although I find it difficult to do it with my husband. <laughs> um, you know, he has his heart in the right place. And I think every doctor that gives vaccinations do, and anybody in the healthcare industry that believes in the concept of the herd, um, herd safety or herd mentality of providing, um, providing, like you said, the greater good for the most people. Um, but it doesn't work out that way. And I wanna parse out the difference between the, the science behind vaccinations but also the checks and balances behind the actual vaccines that are being produced and given to people?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, first of all, it's really heartbreaking that this is the case that we face today, but vaccines are not studied rigorously. It is commonly believed in medicine and science that you can't do a vaccinated versus unvaccinated study or a truly blind study, meaning a, a placebo-controlled blind study where nobody knows um, who's being given what, a vaccine or just a placebo. And the reason they say that is because it would be unethical to not vaccinate some of the individuals, basically to leave them unprotected. So they say it's un—it's unethical. The, the problem with that is that you are injecting known toxins into people without... Having any understanding of what happens to a variety of individuals when those toxins are introduced, and and the reason that's important is because vaccines are studied in healthy people, but they're given to everybody. So if your child or you, as an adult, have a um, some kind of susceptibility that you're unaware of, or even that you are aware of, it doesn't matter. Vaccines are one size fits all. Everybody should get them, no matter what. And the science does not prove that that's safe. The other thing is that the science. Has never um, investigated what happens when you give eight or nine doses of different vaccines on one day, and that happens routinely at the two, four, and six-month well baby visits, which are really vaccine visits. They're not really well baby visits. They're they're an opportunity to give vaccines. And while most of us would probably assume that that's been studied, it never has been. The vaccines are studied individually, and then they're given in these huge combinations. And it's, you know, it's very surprising, if not shocking, to understand that this hasn't been studied, but that is the case. And then the last piece of it, that's really important to understand, is that the vaccine schedule, which has ballooned immensely in the last 20 years, has never been studied for its safety or impact on recipients. So today, infants receive 26 doses of nine vaccines in their first year of life but no one has ever studied whether that's safe or not. No one knows what what are the health outcomes of infants receiving all those vaccines. And then if you move forward to by the by the sixth birthday children receive 48 doses of 14 vaccines. And by the 18th birthday you are to have received 69 doses of 16 vaccines. But no one has ever done any kind of controlled clinical study to determine What are the health outcomes of the kids who are receiving all those vaccines? The whole vaccine schedule, part of it, or none of it? And so we can't say that vaccines are proven safe because they have not actually been tested properly. And one other piece I forgot I have to put in there, Kimberly, is that when they do vaccine safety studies, the placebo in vaccine safety studies is allowed to be another vaccine or a solution containing mercury or aluminum. Well, it doesn't you know, I mean a third grader could understand that if you inject somebody with a vaccine and then you inject someone else with aluminum, you're not using a true placebo. It's not a real control group because <laughs> aluminum is toxic. It's
0: ridiculous. It's almost so as if we don't a great want way to anybody to ask yeah. what the
1: true underlying impact of aluminum is.
0: <laughs> right. Right. That's crazy. And the vaccine, of <laughs> course. That is crazy. And it doesn't even seem like it follows, you know, good science. I mean, scientists are are great people working really hard and diligently to try to help, you know, helps, you know, stem the tide of some horrible diseases. And I think that's where, you know, the argument is really difficult one to have, because the people arguing for vaccines are believing that all things um, are true and fair in uh, the presentation of the science behind Uh, the concept of giving a vaccination, you know, building immunity to um, something. But it it doesn't take into consideration what's actually in the vaccines that are being given, the additional items, I guess.
1: And it doesn't take into consideration um, the whole theory of vaccines. I mean, there are some real questions about vaccines. So this is an important point to touch on. Um, When you get a disease or you get a sickness, you get the measles, your body a branch of your immune system goes, "Okay, measles. I'm going to produce what are called viral virus neutralizing antibodies and they are going to be specific to the measles and so if I ever come in contact with measles again, I'm going to know what to do and you're not going to get it." Okay? That's what a true infection does. The body knows how to do that. The body specifically produces these virus neutralizing antibodies when a vaccine is administered. The body doesn't do that. The body produces something called non-virus neutralizing antibodies. They're general antibodies, and they don't know how to protect us against those specific diseases. And so, what we see is um, it's been a huge issue in California, but across the nation, we've seen 40 and 50,000 cases of pertussis or whooping cough in recent years um, across the nation. There were thousands, I think 10,000 or something, in California alone, and What people don't realize is that the vast majority of people, in some cases 90% plus, were fully vaccinated for whooping cough because the vaccine doesn't actually work the way that we are told it works. And so coming full circle, these doctors and these scientists don't understand that antibody theory is actually flawed. Vaccines do not induce the right kind of antibodies, and therefore they do not confer permanent or true immunity.
0: Okay, so if you're just tuning in, this is Kimberly Martin, and I'm the host of Real People OC. I have the pleasure of having with me film producer, documentary film producer, and activist Leslie Manukian. And Leslie is here talking about her film, The Greater Good. If you're interested in knowing any more about the movie, you can go to greatergoodmovie.org. And there is going to be a free screening of the Greater Good movie at the Wise Traditions Conference. That's coming up in Anaheim. Um, It's the weekend of November the 13th, right? I think 12th, 13th, 14th are the dates. And uh, that only comes to the West Coast every three years. So, great opportunity if you're interested in some of the things that we're talking about today. Uh, You can find out more about that at wisetraditions.org. You can also get tickets. They are free, by the way, but you have to get um, a ticket and RSVP for the movie if you're interested. Um, at that wisetraditions.org website. So, Leslie, really interesting points. Um, I don't want to miss out on an opportunity to get an update on SB 277. Can you give me that really quickly, and then we can go back to some more about the science?
1: Sure, and I just want to say one other thing about the film screening. Um, The film is going to screen at 8 o'clock on the Friday night, and after the film, which takes about an hour and 20 minutes, I will be available... And there to conduct a Q&A session with with viewers. So, not only can you watch the movie, but you can actually ask questions as well and try and make some sense out of this, you know, huge debate that's that's continuing to uh, brew in our country. So, um, coming back to SB 277, it passed in the um, in I guess it was early July. Maybe it was late June. I can't remember now and Governor Brown signed it into law in early July. So it is an official law. It does not take effect until next July 1st, so July 1st of 2016. Um, it requires all children in California, unless they can obtain a medical exemption, which is almost impossible to obtain, or are homeschooled to be fully vaccinated according to California's um, schedule. There are nine or 10 vaccines that you're required to give your child. If they're in daycare or preschool, anything like that, public or private, or in any kind of school, K through um, 12, public or private, they are required to be vaccinated for the, with these vaccines that are required.
0: Now, I think there were a lot of people that were pretty shocked that this went into law and was passed. Um, what are the efforts mounting against this particular law right now? Yeah.
1: Well, there was a referendum that um, had some people believe was sabotage. It did not gain the um, necessary number of signatures to make it onto the ballot. Um, there is so that was a bit of a shame, but um, they still got two hundred and fifty thousand signatures all over the state and I think opened a lot of eyes. People are becoming more and more aware of the issue. Um, what's going on right now is that there's an initiative to recall the uh, California legislators who voted for and supported this legislation because federal law recognizes that vaccines injure and kill. We have something called the National Childhood Vaccine Injury Act, but California is now mandating those vaccines. And so if California is going to mandate those vaccines, is California going to assume all liability for these vaccines? Um, right now, federal law recognizes that, as I said, vaccines injure and kill, but it also provides compensation to those who are injured um, through a fairly convoluted process. The question is, now that California is trying to force this, you know are they going to assume that liability?
0: Oh, um, that's certainly an important question to address, but is there any hope of repealing this law?
1: Well, there are, I'm in touch with a whole group of lawyers who believe that this is a violation violation of the California Constitution and the U.S. Constitution in many ways. Um, One of the issues is that the California Constitution requires that all children, you know, states that all children are entitled to a public school education. And if you are forcing them to undergo a medical procedure in order to access that right, then you're violating the Constitution. And so I think it might be um, challenged in the courts on that basis. The other thing is that there are um, schools that are already trying to enforce this, sending children home, exposing their vaccination status, which is a violation of privacy rights and things like that. And so I think there are going to be a slew of lawsuits about this because the law is already being broken. It hasn't even been implemented. And um, there are all sorts of problems. And so, yes, I think there's going to be very, very, um, um, you know, a a wide variety of lawsuits that are launched within the next couple of months and big challenges to it.
0: Well, and I'm wondering if there's going to be some unintended consequences, like a lot of kids not going to school anymore and choosing the option of homeschooling so that their parents can exercise their rights over their own children's bodies.
1: I think that will absolutely happen, Kimberly. I know people are le- leaving the state. I know lots of people are planning to homeschool. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't some kind of civil disobedience as well. One of the things that's come to light in um, late into the process of SB 277 is um, that the the black community, in particular, but all minorities in in um, in general. Are in particular the Hispanics. There's a real issue with them having higher rates of reactions to vaccines, in particular autism, learning disabilities, and things like this. And the Black community in California has woken up to this. And there was actually just a big rally in Atlanta, October 24th, so last weekend, called the Truth Transparency, Truth and Transparency Rally, um, at the CDC, demanding that the CDC release information and come clean. About allegations from one of CDC's own scientists that they fudged the numbers to conceal their own data, showing that vaccines were causing autism, and that the likelihood of um, contracting autism or having an autism diagnosis in black boys was 2.4 times what it was for white boys or mm-hmm. white children. Mm-hmm. And so, it's I, I, per, I, I believe that there's going to be a uh, a big backlash in a variety of communities and that that's only going to grow in coming months if and when this does get closer and closer to, to actually going live.
0: All right. So if you're just tuning in, this is Real People OC. I'm your host, Kimberly Martin. I am with Leslie Mnookian. She is documentary film producer and activist. Uh, she produced the film um and wrote the film *The Greater Good*. You can find out more about the film by going to greatergoodmovie.org. And then also, there's a free screening coming up at the Wise Traditions conference. It's being held uh, November 12th through the 15th, I believe, is the dates um, here at Anaheim Convention Center. And you can reserve tickets and RSVP. You must RSVP by going to wisetraditions.org. And the screening's on Friday. Is that when? It you're
1: is on? on Friday night. I believe at eight o'clock. Okay, and I'd urge listeners to come to the rest of the conference as well, if they can you know make it to any of the other sessions because we talk all about how do we keep our bodies well, so the reason that people are sick and contract diseases and things or show the evidence of these diseases is not because they have a lack of vaccines, it's because they have a lack of of the appropriate nutrients. It's well understood that if you have adequate a vitamins A, D, and c those vitamins are instrumental in the immune immune system and help the body to neutralize any kind of bugs that it encounters. But if you don't have sufficient quantities of those and other nutrients from plants and other nutrients from um, other minerals, then you can't um, deal with it. I mean, ideally, we would all get natural infections, but never know we've had them because our bodies can deal with it without us ever having getting any symptoms.
0: Does that make sense, Kimberly? It does, and it's such an important point. I was just going to say, I don't like to present a problem like the vaccine issue without presenting a solution, and I think that's one of the most compelling things about your work um, in your own practice, but also with uh, Wise Traditions, and this is the Weston A. Price Foundation that's sponsoring this conference, is that correct?
1: That's correct. It's the Weston A. Price Foundation, a foundation committed to teaching about uh, traditional diets, the principles of nutritional diets.
0: Now, we uh, had an interview that with Kim Schuette. She's one of the nutritionists that will be speaking. You'll be speaking as well at the conference. But some of the things are really shocking about the types of nutrition that the Weston A. Price advocates because they're so counter to what we've been told and taught. Isn't that true? In terms it is of true. I, I wasn't fat? sure if you were asking a question. Yeah, or I'm a sorry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we have been told that, you know, soy is a a health food, but soy has a um, wide-ranging list of adverse reactions. It can cause problems in the thyroid. It can cause gut issues and things like that. And we're told, you know, Asians eat soy, but Asians generally eat soy that's fermented in the form of soy sauce and things like that. And fermenting these foods actually deactivates these, um, these nutritional components that are problematic for the human body. We talk at the, the the conference about how fat, saturated fat in particular, is super healthy for us. And the reason for that is because saturated fat from grass-fed animals, so beef fat or beef meat, um, um, lamb, chickens, all these eggs that are all these animals that are raised on pastures, so they are eating green grass. Their fat is very high in vitamins A, D, and K. And vitamins A, D, and K are critical to heart health, immune health, and actually telling the calcium and minerals that we absorb where to go in our body. So they actually protect us from heart disease. They protect us from cancer and stuff. And of course, this flies right in the face of what um, the uh, mainstream medical authorities and the federal health agencies will tell you. Although... I'm sure you've seen this. Um, Maybe it was a year ago, Kimberly, maybe a year and a half ago, Time magazine ran a cover article that was something about, you know, butter is back. They're now starting to admit that the science shows that fat, saturated fat is actually good for you. So that's another one of the big things that we talk about, that saturated fat is good for you, that um, you need to eat lots of a diet that's rich in minerals and um, low in carbohydrates that are processed. Um, So we really call into question so many of the principles that are put out there by the mainstream, which are actually inaccurate. Like, you know, right now the um, USDA is requiring the rewriting of food labels, and there's now going to be a label or a, a portion of food labels that says, what's the amount of sugar in this product, and what's the recommended daily allowance for sugar? On the surface, that sounds like a good idea, doesn't it?
0: Well, yeah, because sugar seems to be the evil.
1: (laughs) Well, and also, there is no recommended daily allowance. There is no nutritional requirement for sugar. And what they're going to do is allow it to be up to 10% of your daily caloric intake. That's extremely dangerous and an extremely negative message to send to people. So there's this, like, pretense that they're being healthy. They're labeling the amount of sugar. But there's this very sort of insidious message, which is that, up to 10% of your diet can be sugar, and that's just crazy. So, you know, we we constantly talk at the foundation about urging people to limit their consumption of refined foods, crackers and cookies and cakes and white sugar and any kind of, you know, high-fructose corn syrup and other things like that, and all this is stuff that the USDA says is perfectly fine.
0: Right, all the things that we have been bombarded with in such a large way that we have started to adopt them as the norm, really. And I think that's kind of the problem.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you know, we often say that it may be um, the norm today, but the way that people eat today isn't normal.
0: Right, right. I just love that butter's back, though. It's one of my favorite things. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit of an overweight gal. I never had been before. I was always very thin. And I think it's really scary to stick my toe into the concept of maybe eating more fat. Um, What say you in regards to um, increasing fat consumption and weight gain or weight loss?
1: Well, I think that people need to understand that a lot of Americans are eating a lot of fat, but it's hidden and it's unhealthy fat. So they're eating French fries that are fried in industrial oils that are rancid, hydrogenated and extremely inflammatory and fat promoting. It's very different to eat that versus tossing your sliced potatoes at home in some melted grass-fed lard or um, tallow, you know, from grass-fed pig or beef, and then roasting them in the oven and still having a french fry, but it's a completely different kind of a thing. And so it is my understanding and belief and experience that if you're eating those whole fats that are healthy and the way that nature made them, then you don't have that problem. Whereas if you're eating them in that refined industrial way, then you're going to have a much bigger problem. So I think that, you know, actually a lot of people can lose weight when they eat whole foods because they're eating, you know, food that has nutrition in it and the body is not toxic and then foreshed. But I think that it also depends if, you just decide, okay, you know, <laughs> butter is back. Now I can go and eat a stick a day. Then you're probably going to have an issue. <laughs> right,
0: right. And, well, you know,
1: Kimberly, I think this is, I mean, I'm 51. I'm going to be 52 in a couple months. And I've definitely put on weight in the last couple of years. I'm also exercising less than I used to. It's important for all of us to recognize that we do age and change. And that's a normal part of life. And, but it's also important for us to keep active, not sit at a desk all the time, eat whole foods, you know commune with our families and friends, have a spiritually rich life, have community and all those things. Those are all components and if if we 're dropping the ball on any one of those things, then I think we can see that kind of thing happen and i don 't know if that 's your case, but I do think that um, that there's so many different pieces to the puzzle, you know?
0: It's so true. Well, we are drawing down on our time. I want to give the last minute or two to some of the topics that are really exciting at the Wise Traditions Conference that's coming up uh, in November, November 12th through the 15th in Anaheim um, at the Anaheim Convention Center. What are some of your favorite topics and the ones you'll be attending?
1: There is going to be a talk all about toxicity, and detoxing safely, I think that's going to be fantastic. I love Chris Masterjohn, who's a um, PhD, who's affiliated with the foundation. He always talks about um, fats and how they're so important and what the nutrients are in them. So he he goes into much detail on vitamins A, D, and K, which is just fantastic. I mean, I just love the stuff that he talks about. Um, then there's going to be a man named Dr. Alan Savory. Actually, I don't know if he's a doctor, but he is going to be speaking all about how animals are so important to agriculture and how we can rehabilitate our barren wastelands to be healthy grasslands by putting animals on them, which is a counter to everything that we're told. Um, so those are some of them. There, there, there's so many. I really struggle every year with deciding where I want to go because there's so many different tracks and so many exciting, interesting things to listen to. You know.
0: Oh, very good. All right. Well, um, go ahead and give the details of the film one more time so our listeners can um, partake. And then I also want to mention that there is, um, I think there's student rates too if you're interested in the conference. So something to think about.
1: There's definitely a student rate, yes. So the movie is greatergoodmovie.org. You can go to our website and check it out. Um, and we have a blog on our website. I urge you to read that, and lots of other resources on the website that talks about all the issues that we've raised today. Um, there's so many articles and resources and links to other websites and other information that are fantastic for people who have questions. And we have something called a catalog of science that's under the Learn More tab on our website that that catalogs over 200 research papers and studies all published in the peer-reviewed lit- medical literature that explore and document vaccine injuries that I've been talking about.
0: Oh, very and then, of
1: course, there's the org, which is the website that you can go to for the overall conference. Okay. And I hope I see all of your listeners at our screening on Friday night at 8 o'clock.
0: It would be great. All right, Leslie Minukian, film producer of the Greater Good movie. Um, I'm so happy that you came back to KUCI.
1: Thank you so much. I hope to see you in California, Kimberly.
0: Absolutely.